feature presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am your host, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Merchin. Matt, evil dies tonight, I guess. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> evil, evil dies, dies tonight. tonight. Uh, yeah, today we're a little bit late, but we are reviewing David Gordon Green's Halloween Ends, starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Andy Matichek, Rohan Campbell, Will Patton, Kyle Richards, uh, and James Jude Courtney and more. <laughs> All um, your favorites are here. <laughs> we'll be doing uh, brief spoiler free thoughts at the beginning for just probably a couple minutes here. And then we're going to go full on to a spoiler review because it's been out for a weekend now. Um, and I think this movie will be more fun to talk about with spoilers than trying to kind of dance around. Uh, you know, some of the elements in the movie. So um, without further ado, Eric, I'll let you kick it off. I don't know if we need to tell people. We don't really. It's the third of David Gordon Green's Halloween movies. It's the fourth in this timeline following John Carpenter's original film. Uh, it is the final um, Halloween movie, at least in this timeline uh, or not. Um, so, you know, Michael at the end of the movie of last, see, here's the thing. We're going to spoil the last two movies for sure, because this is the third one. If you're watching this, you probably watch the other ones. We just said evil dies tonight a million times. Evil <laughs> did not die that night. Spoiler. It is, it is still around. And so this just follows, uh, four years after the events of the last two films. Uh, Michael Myers still out there, nowhere to be found. Everyone in the, in Haddonfield is just going, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And then that's pretty much all you need to know. Um, and it's a Halloween movie, or is it? Uh, Eric, do you want to kick it off, or do you want me to go? I mean, you just kind of summed it up perfectly right spoiler there. Spoiler-free. Um, yeah. But in terms of, of how I feel about it, um, I actually kind of like the movie. I think it's one of those films where, you know, we didn't see it until a little bit later, so you can say, you know, oh, are you just taking the contrarian opinion? But when you watch the movie, I think expectations do play a role in what this film is. Yeah. And I think once we get into the spoiler section, we'll get into why the movie both works and doesn't and and ultimately does have some value. It's just what you're being sold isn't necessarily what the film what is. Yeah. And that's going to upset a lot of people. And understandably so. I I, I get that. Marketing is 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 a very strange sort of uh artistic, you know, form onto itself. And you know, you have to kind of think like they're the studio, Blumhouse and Universal, are looking at it from a point of view of, of commerce as much as they are as, you know, art. Um, but with this, it's it's just fascinating to think like, okay, if you look at the Halloween franchise as a whole, it has done some batshit crazy things throughout its entire run to the point where looking at it as an entire franchise, I think, is more interesting than just looking at, like, individual films because a lot of them individually are terrible i think yeah. john carpenter's halloween is a masterpiece yeah. it's the film that defined not only a subgenre in the slasher films you know in that canon but also with just how horror movies would be perceived for a decade moving forward and always kind of being compared to that original movie and that original movie never being replicated Three, I think, is an anomaly onto itself, and that will be a conversation that we'll probably be talking a lot about uh, when we get into the spoiler section. But three is also one of those films where it's like when it came out in you know the early 80s, it was vilified because it didn't have Michael Myers in it. So <laughs> when you're watching that film now- I wonder why this uses that title. Treatment. Yeah, it's been reappraised since then, but it took 40 plus years to yeah. do so in order for people to come around on it. But- that movie onto itself is actually a really good invasion of the body snatchers esque storyline. Oh, rules, man. Tom Atkins is awesome in the movie. Tommy Lee Wallace, the director, didn't get enough credit for it, and it was supposed to be an anthology series moving forward. But Michael Myers was such an iconic villain that people wanted him back. Four and five with Danielle Harris are a complete blur. Um, they're terrible, and they were at a point where they were being 
rewritten and there was a writer's strike. So they kept adding things that they couldn't really expand upon. They left it hanging. Uh, there's this whole thing with this druid cult that's kind of brought into Halloween five uh, from there. Halloween six is a complete and utter mess. There are two cuts of that movie and neither one on its own makes any sense. There's the theatrical cut and then there is um, the uh, producer's cut, which, you know, if you watch both of them, it makes one whole movie. But if you watch, you know, either the theatrical or the producer's cut, it's by itself, it's so incoherent and all over the place. Um, It was Donald Sutherland, uh, Donald Sutherland, Donald Pleasant's last movie. um, Right. Right. As as Dr. Sam Loomis. Um, (laughs) And he was really sick at that point as well. So they couldn't really do any reshoots to kind of, you know, bring him back because at that point he was basically in the hospital. Um, So with that movie, you know, like that kind of left it for a a while. And then, you know, the reboot, which was H2O kind of also brought some of the continuity into it, but then kind of also ignored the Daniel Harris stuff. Um and then from there, it's like the X Men of the of, of horror franchises, yeah, it, where it's like continuity doesn't matter. We're gonna jump around. This character might be here, might exist, might not. Yeah, and and Halloween Six, by the way, is Paul Rudd's first film. Um, and then after H two O, which was actually also Josh Wasn't Hartnett, he Paul Allen Rudd, or yes, something in yes, <laughs> his his full name, his 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 Christian name or his 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 Jewish name. Um, and then from there, uh, Halloween H two O, you had people like LL Cool J and uh, Josh Hartnett and Michelle Williams in their earlier roles, um, and then H two O continues into halloween resurrection which is kind of like the reality tv version of um, which really kind of killed the franchise didn't yeah it and point? it became yeah. it, it like if there was a shark to jump it was jumping over the universe and not over just like the sh- like it just became yeah. kind of a parody of itself to the point where like you know the, then we got the rob zombie well the most the most famous thing in resurrection though is buster rhyme saying trick or oh, yeah. treat motherfucker yeah um I mean, and then yeah, yeah and then the rob right. zombie reboot and sequel are some people really love halloween 2 rob zombies halloween because it is very out there much like this movie is too it is um, but if you are not a fan of uh, yeah, rob zombies aesthetic obnoxious yeah it is extremely noxious to the point and where it's almost it's just it's so grating even the director's cut of that movie and then you get to the David Gordon Green 2018 uh, legacy sequel, which ignores uh, everything except for the John Carpenter original. Not even uh, Halloween 2, which takes yeah. place on the same night in uh, the hospital and, and sort of is 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 the aftermath of, of the, uh, the slaughter. And then now, a couple movies later, Evil Didn't Die Tonight, and we are here at Halloween End. So that was History of Halloween with Eric Marchin. Uh, but here, we're here, and I'm kind of with you, version. man. Um, I'm kind of with you, where um, I sort of dug this movie. Obviously, it's it's not perfect. It's not a great movie. Um, but I think if you get on its wavelength, and it takes a while uh, for you to understand what it's doing, um, and I think expectations come into play uh, for sure, Eric, which you mentioned. Uh, but I think once you get on its wavelength and see the kind of weird, wild swing it goes for um, and take it for what it is, um, it's very much doesn't feel like a sequel to Halloween Kills <laughs> or anything like that, even though it it has elements in there that are a sequel to that movie, but it really does its own thing and then plays on the kind of the legacy of Michael Myers or how Haddonfield reacts uh, to which we saw a lot in the last movie but I think this does a better job of how he affects the town uh, when you know he's still out there and and people don't know uh, you know he's not in an institution he's just he escaped and people don't know where he is and how that's affecting that town and I think uh, the way they do it is really weird and interesting and it can be interpreted in multiple different ways and that's why we bring up halloween three and other kind of things it does almost feel like um like uh its own thing right like even though michael myers is in the movie it almost does feel like it is that kind of um 
uh, like a Halloween three kind of anthology thing where it's its own story, even though Lori's in this and, and Michael's in this. Yeah. Um, I really dug it. Uh, like again, like I, I feel like it takes a while to get going. And I mean, the opening is fantastic. Um, and then after that, and also it also kind of funny while. weirdly. And that's oh, also the, the whole David movie Gordon is campy, Green. weirdly funny kind of thing. Like all three of the movies have had that kind of, off kilter, dark sense of humor to them, which is wh- what you get from, you know, Danny McBride and, and David Gordon Green. Um, and this movie, I think, especially has more campy moments or really kind of like over the top or, or sort of cheesy in, in, in the way like there's a, a character that rides a motorcycle and, and the music <laughs> that they use is just like really funny. But like, I don't know, like once once I was locked into it and understood what it was doing, I'm like, I kind of dig this. Um, and that carried throughout the whole thing. And I think we are in the minority and I feel like this movie, much like Halloween three might be reappraised many years down the line for doing three decades later, Halloween doing something interesting or different. Like, I mean, I think a lot of the reason people go into this and, and wanted that final movie, like Laurie versus Michael, um, more just Halloween, what we expect a, a typical slasher movie, and you don't really get that here. So um, I really like it. I don't know if you will, um, depending on what your expectations are. So if you haven't seen the movie yet, go in with an open mind and just understand that it's going to be a little weird. It's going to be something that you're not really expecting. It's not going to be your typical Halloween movie, but um, it does have a lot of the trademarks and and things like that. It's just I think it went in a different direction than people were expecting. And I liked it for that. I liked its campy moments. I liked uh, its use of, you know, its violence is really fucked up, um, which it has been in all of David Gordon Green's one. But it's all practical uh, effects, too. Yeah. Like a lot of it is all kind of like in camera, you know, yeah. classic kind of um gore effects stuff that like like it's not done in post and yeah you kind of appreciate that a little bit more. totally um so yeah I, I vibed with it i think it is a, a good end cap even though the Lori and michael stuff feels a little like not tacked on so i could see why people um maybe have a problem with that but i don't know i think it came to a satisfying conclusion for me even though like it didn't necessarily it could have just been its own thing um without having to include any of that stuff and maybe it would have worked even better but i i kind of like it's weird kind of uh take and i can't wait to talk about it in the spoiler part because i feel like it might be interpreted one way where i'm kind of interpreting it in a different way and i can see why some people might think it's that jumping the shark thing eric where um you know, they include some elements here that can be, you know, I don't want to get to, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second, but I think we're on the same page where, uh, we both dug the movie for what it is. So I'm going to give the movie, I'll write it here and then we'll go into spoilers. I'm going to give the movie a 3.5. I think like it's again, not a, an amazing movie, but I enjoyed myself and I think I could even like this more on a rewatch down the line just because out of this franchise, which Eric just so elegantly recapped, um, I think it is one that it's least trying to do something or trying to say something as well. Um, and it might not always work, but I like that it's doing something different and it's a little weird and it's darkly funny and things like that. Yeah, I agree. I think David Gordon Green already gave us the Halloween movie with the 2018 version. And with that, it's like you can watch that movie and look at it as a self-contained story and be happy with it. And, you know, like that's that that is basically like it could have just stopped there. (laughs) Yeah, that's the Force Awakens of Halloween, you know, the greatest (laughs) hits, but very fun, you know, campy. uh, You know, like it plays on what John Carpenter created, you know, all those really years well. ago yeah and then halloween kills looking at it almost halloween kills is still not a great movie but i almost appreciated it a little bit more as almost a prologue to halloween ends in terms of yeah. turning the community into that kind of mob mentality yeah. structure it does work better after seeing this movie yeah I think. so you can look at, at halloween kills now as an extended prologue a feature-length prologue to uh halloween ends but halloween kills was one of those movies where it's like okay well we're going to give you the most extreme version of halloween to the point where it's going to be like you know just extremely violent and gory but it's also goofy but not in the kind of way that you were hoping for yeah and it kind of felt like it was just too much 
with Halloween ends, Halloween ends almost feels like it is like if, if I'm talking about like Star Wars again, it feels almost like it's the last Jedi. I was going to bring that up too. Of this trilogy where it really does try to take what's already been established and do something outside the norm. You know, people have talked about other movies, other John Carpenter films that it's closer to than this, uh, than, than, than the original Halloween. But when you're watching it and you kind of begin to understand what David Gordon Green and the writers, including Danny McBride, are going for, it's actually a more fascinating and reflective film on, you know, contemporary America in a lot of ways. And I think also it just works as kind of, again, that, you know, Haddonfield small town very isolated community kind of aspect where like you kind of feel trapped inside, you know, a place where you want to escape or you want to leave. But, you know, the things that haunt you from your past always loom over you when you're in, you know, this, this small sort of um, region. And, and with that, like, I, I love that aspect of it as, as well. Um, I, I think there are some really weird touches and we'll go deeper into it when we get into the spoilers, but there's some editing choices in this that I think are also very playful with how, you know, it, Gordon Green makes some transitions or cuts or like heightens some of the sound design or the sound scape throughout the movie. There's specifically a microwave. So like there are little touches there. The that radio kind of, DJ stuff is good too. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like, the you know, close-ups of, of pasta and like the mm-hmm. sound of pasta or, you know, the sound of a, a pumpkin, you know, uh, splattering. splattering and like <clears throat> those little things all kind of culminate into this really weird, idiosyncratic you know installment in a series that has gone you know from peaks to valleys to underground you know like it's 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 been all All over over the place place. (laughs) and i and i think like if you are a halloween fan and you are still disappointed with halloween ends that is okay but if you've only seen this trilogy in the original movie and haven't watched all the other halloween movies you should do that before completely judging Halloween ends because there are a lot of crappy Halloween sequels like Halloween 2 is fine but like a lot of people complaining about Halloween ends Laurie Strode and 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 Sam Loomis uh Jamie Lee Curtis and, and Donald Pleasant's character are barely in that movie you know yeah. they're they're at the beginning and end of the film Three is its own thing and we talked about it being maligned and then four and five like are just yeah, they're all over the place. And it's yeah. like if you see those movies like those films are in at least almost... this is taking a, a wild swing and trying to do something. But it's competently done where yeah. I think Halloween four and five and six are almost they're they're almost incompetent in terms of how they're structured, in terms of how they're presented to you. You know, they give you the kills, but the, the story is so disjointed and all over the place and with this like there is with halloween ends there is a focus there is a goal in mind whether it's underdeveloped or not (laughs) or yeah or the one you want like i think that's that's something to criticize but this does feel like it has a distinct vision and purpose and it's not just kind of simply coasting on you know, what has come before. And I almost appreciated that more. And that's why I'm also giving it a three and a half out of five. Hell yeah, brother. All right. Um, let's go into spoilers so we can talk, uh, more about this freely. Uh, all right. We're going into spoilers in three and a two and a one. All right. (laughs) Evil dies tonight. Evil did die tonight. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, if to get into not to start off with some criticisms, but there are those kind of things there, like um, the classic screenwriting tropes of like showing you every little item that's going to come back at the end. That just always annoys the shit out of me. Like right when I saw the car crusher thing, I'm like, check that later. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to like, oh, the flame, the flamethrower thing or the torch. Uh, I'm like, oh, that's going to come back. And every little thing you can see, even the splattering in the microwave gives Lori the idea of the pumpkin at the end, those kind of things. And even using that to distract Michael. Um, and you know, Kyle Richards being in the movie for no fucking reason at all, like making her survive 
survive the last one and literally just being there to be like, look at the dad wants to forgive um, the guy. Um, well, she's anyways. a tarot card reader as well, right? So it, it, literally, there's no reason other than Universal owns Bravo, which then airs Real Housewives for her to be in this movie. <laughs> like, how to get that, de- that demographic reason. into the theater. literally, literally, like Nevis and I, Nevis watches Real Housewives, and 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 she only started watching it after the last Halloween. Uh, movie so kills so kills we didn't really know we knew kyle richards because she's in the original and things like that knew she was in housewives but it wasn't as distracting as it is now because nevis has watched 500 hours of real housewives anyway those out of the way um i yeah there's some weird shit in this movie and i don't know where you want to start but i think the opening is really really great and weirdly darkly comedic um i think it's tense um, I think it's playful, but and and really fucked up and shocking too. <laughs> because like the one thing about, especially even Halloween movies, they even make a comment that Michael doesn't kill children; he he kills the babysitter, right? Like at least in the because it's always line. a morality and, thing, yeah. right? Like it's it's him reliving or acting out his um you know his his vengeance towards his own sister, right? Yeah. For having sex and not looking after him and like that. Yeah. I mean, it's like with any of these horror totally. movies like it's like with friday the 13th the camp counselors having sex instead of looking after yeah. jason or but like children are usually off limits except for, for the freddy. most part uh, yeah sure freddy specifically only kills children yeah um so i thought that was uh, a really fun way to even set that up and then have it set up this premise from the beginning because i, I think we were even before this movie started we were hypothesizing what this because we already heard from people being like oh there's a wild twist in the movie it's not what you expect things like that and i'm going what the fuck does that mean like oh is it going to be laurie and michael teaming up it wasn't laurie and michael teaming up it was the super michael brothers <laughs> teaming up <laughs> um so uh and then so when you get that opening where this babysitter you know is, is babysitting this shithead kid the shithead kid is like taunting the jeremy babysitter, trying to jeremy and, just trying so to- so the sh- so the 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 copycat michael myers killer uh cory cunningham is played by rohan yeah. campbell and I can understand this is the, this is the criticism where I I can understand like you're introducing a new character into your third film yeah and making him a central figure if you, he was in the last two as like a uh, a character might have worked yeah or, but but uh, but even going outside of Halloween it is tough to introduce a new character into a third film in a trilogy and expect people to have an emotional connection or, or be on board with them unless they're just kind of like a henchman or villain type character. So when you do that, it is a drastic kind of 180 where it's like, okay, well we've spent all this time, you know, with with Laurie Strode. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and her kind of ordeal. And now we're all of a sudden kind of like, you know, locking in with this kid Kid, who on, you know, Halloween night and, 2019 a is, year after the events of kills where michael is still missing michael is missing yeah There's people are on edge here for me people Mario are was missing was <laughs> people are on edge uh, luigi's haunted mansion uh people are on edge people are, are are still feeling it but yeah uh Corey comes to babysit uh jeremy uh one little bit or nod to the original halloween that i really loved the and thing? that is the thing so yeah. they're watching john carpenter's the thing in the original halloween they're watching the the thing from another world so i just want i made me want to watch the thing so badly it's a perfect movie um so there's some symmetry there with with how you know the film is kind of looking back at the original one still and saying like okay the night you know he came home this is what you know these people were doing the night that he was still at large this is what people are doing and it's still similar in its, oh, in its totally. own manner but yeah and then but, this shithead kid taunts the babysitter by pretending that michael myers is coming to kill him so he runs around the house kind of uh freaking this guy out you see kind of uh him uh leave a knife on the stairs and goes up into the attic and then and, and the cory is the babysitter's name is that yeah. what his, his name is so cory goes around and locks him goes into the attic where this kid locks him in there and he's freaking out the babysitter and because everyone's on edge and that's what we'll get into with this town is like haddonfield because they wanted to kill michael so badly we we know that from the last movie where they killed a um you know uh, an innocent man and 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 kept fucking rioting in the streets. Um, 
everyone's so on edge that this babysitter's so freaked out that he's uh, kicking the door to try to get it open. Because he's locked he, inside the yeah. attic where the kid has locked him inside. Yeah. And then he boots this door open and fucking launches this kid <laughs> over the railing. And then it was like, oh my God, this kid just pancakes on the ground and uh, conveniently his parents come home at the exact moment and there's a lot of that in this movie which is like which is like the comedic uh, kind of punchline yeah. to the scene or the scare or the moment of 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 shock and awe where oh it's definitely <laughs> shocking for sure but it's also again very funny because one the kid jeremy um is a terrible brat and it's kind of like you're expecting something horrible to happen but then it what it's doing in that scene as well is it's setting up the idea that this is going to be a different take on Halloween to the point where as the movie continues, what it reminded me of the most was the documentary series, making a murder about uh, Steve uh, Avery, where you have somebody that's accused of a crime originally and, you know, they pay for it or, you know, they're, they're, they're proved innocent, proved innocent yeah. but then they become the monster that everybody always expected them to be so it's like you know you you play the part you be the part and so the cory character's arc here is that you know he it was an accident it, it was and, a horrible and, accident yeah, yeah and and you could like forensics and and things like that probably prove that yeah it like he was locked on the inside of the door and he was just trying to open it and things like that but when it comes to you know, the court of public opinion and being in the town, everybody's going Especially to have, this town where a, a murderer is on the loose and yeah. has murdered a ton of people. Yeah. Everybody's going to have their own opinion and they're going to look for, you know, the next Michael Myers, you know, and they're going to want to have somebody as the scapegoat or the punching bag to be like, okay, well this, you know, if Michael's not around, what's the next horrible threat? Okay. Well, mm -hmm. this kid who, you know, this, this young adult who killed a child, you know, um, yeah. and so with that, like part of it is a character study. And and you mentioned an innocent man. There was a novel that David Gordon Green was going to adapt by John Grissom that was based on a true story about a death row inmate that was on death row and was innocent um, in the early uh, 2010s. I think it was 2011 that George Clooney was going to produce. And again, like it kind of reminded me, like maybe he's trying to do that here a little here, bit as yeah. well, where again, Corey's not completely innocent. He makes a choice, but even that is interesting to discuss. But once we get to the idea of this town kind of turning him into a martyr or a pariah, there's this really interesting sort of story to, to have where it's like, okay, well, you know, you, you kind of drove this kid to kind to of become going. Michael Myers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, I and mean, that's this is your fault. And that's what I think is, is awesome and interesting where I think a lot of people are interpreting it. So that's what I was alluding to earlier in the review. So I think there's a moment in the movie, you know, Corey, um, like Eric mentioned, everyone in the town sees him as this monster. The mother sees him as this monster who killed her child, which is understandable. But like the teens in the town, everyone kind of just looks at him and he's become even, you know, more introverted, more, you know, he doesn't have any friends. He lives at home still with his parents who are, are very protective. And he's just like very timid, just works with his dad at this auto shop. And just I like, think he's his stepfather, whole, isn't it? Is it? Okay. Um, his stepfather and just like, but the whole town has just turned against him. And you even see everyone bullying him and and looking at him weird. And and again, not he, he was proven to be innocent and it was an accident, but this town kind of was relentless and especially a town that is on edge because Michael is still out there. We see how that's affecting other people in the town as well. Well, even and, Lori, right? And like Lori yeah. gets blamed for, you know, poking the Everything bear. That, yeah, exactly. Like we have some characters that show up from the last movie. Uh, um, the that one survived. Yeah. That survived and things like that. So, and Lori is the only one that kind of sees Corey, you know, and understands where he, what situation he's in and, and tries to help out a little bit. Um, her, her granddaughter feels like a completely different character in this movie, which is yeah. a weird thing, but we'll get into that. Um, but then there's the moment where it takes a while to get going. Like, really, you're just kind of sitting with the aftermath of what Corey did and how the town is kind of treating him, right? There's this plot of these group of four teenagers that are kind of, uh, you know, uh, assaulting him. and Classic and, bully storyline. Yeah. Kinda. But that's even interesting as well, because the, that group of kids does not feel like they would be hanging out. But it also kind of yeah. makes sense because 
who are the kids that are left that weren't killed by Michael sure, Myers, the teens, true. right? So yeah. it almost feels like, you know, the, the, the ragtag group of bullies in this movie are uh, almost it a feels representation. like a group, uh, one from each different group of people you would normally see hanging out together. Yeah. So, that are the survivors of, of, of <laughs> yeah. the last Halloween, you know? Um, so that's really interesting. And that one moment, like it takes probably a good, what, 40 minutes for you to see Michael Myers in this movie. Like it. And then even then, like a, a moment, Corey gets thrown over a bridge and, and injures himself. And which he's, is kind of um, like it a little bit. Stephen King. Yeah. It. In an unhoused encampment, or at least there's one unhoused man that uh, is living under this bridge. Um, and then you finally see Michael Myers because Michael is living in a sewer underneath this bridge and he drags Corey in. And then this is the moment where the movie takes a wild turn that I think can be interpreted in in many different ways. And I think Eric and I are sort of on the same wavelength, but you can interpret it as supernatural. So I think that's where people are kind of going, what the fuck is this movie? And even like I was saying that out loud going like, what is this movie? Like as I was watching it, David, what are and, you doing? <laughs> um, and I just thought like, there's this, Michael pulls him in and Michael's weak and he's half burned because of the um, stuff that happens at the, in Halloween kills. And he's very weak, but he drags Corey in and he basically grabs him by the throat. And you get this weird sequence where you see Corey's trauma um, manifested in his head, but it almost looks like and, – and Michael's as well. And um, it almost seems like Michael is transferring some of his power or murderous rage into Corey. Um like I think it can be interpreted that way. Yeah, and going back then, to the Star Wars uh, analogy, it's almost like a Sith Lord and a Sith Apprentice. Yeah, it really is. And I thought of Super Mario Brothers as we continue, and uh, and Corey being Luigi. But uh, <laughs> I, 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 it's just such an interesting choice in editing uh, that you're like, uh, is he transferring his power to Michael, or so Michael to Corey, and then Corey kind of has you know his eyes change and he he has a different look in his eyes and i i then as the movie goes on started to interpret it as you know what this town has just broken this this young man so much that one he sees michael and and michael lets him live because michael either kind of sees some evil in Corey is that Corey realizes I can kill all these people that have wronged me or that have been mean to me or that have, uh, you know, that not necessarily transferring his powers, but like it's when he sees Michael, he finally understands that like I can do that and I can get back at all these people. And I don't interpret it as supernatural. Although there are some things that contradict that as Corey brings back um, uh, a shitty, a uh, police officer uh, that is dating um, uh, uh, Lori's uh, granddaughter, played by um, uh, Andy uh, Medichek. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and and Michael ends up killing this man, and it seems like he gets his strength back after he murders him, which I'm is like, very much like Little Shop of Horrors, where yeah. you have Seymour leading, um, you know, people into you know, the, the, the shop to be fed to Audrey too, you know, like yeah. that's kind of what it reminded me a little bit. Like every totally. kill makes Michael strong again or fulfills that supernatural element. Um, yeah. Do you, there, do you think of it as supernatural or you think, I think you can you look think, at it as yeah. both. I think there, there yeah. there's an interpretation to be made in both ways. Uh, a, a fellow film critic friend of ours, Stefan Ellison made a point that it reminded him more of John Carpenter's Christine, where you look at that movie, Christine possesses, the owner of the car played by Keith Gordon. And, you know, he goes from this kind of nerdy kind of meek milk toast kind of character to becoming cool and confident and suave. And to that's the point where he takes here, off yeah. his glasses and <laughs> yeah. like has slicked back hair and things like that. And, and that comparison, I think, you know, checks act, in. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And then there's also even comparisons to, you know, you're wearing a hat with a, with a smile on it with kind of funny, like even with smile out now, the idea of transferring some sort of demonic power, power or possession yeah. onto another person or, you know, it follows. And there's, there's a bunch of these movies that kind of deal with that and, and, and sort of, you know, grief and trauma in, in film and horror movies in general in the last few years have been kind of explored in interesting ways. A lot of which have been art house movies, but you have something like this that is kind of both 
you know, kind of a B movie for the most part, but also has a filmmaker who started out as, you know, an indie darling, you know, yeah. making movies like George Washington and all the real girls and snow angels and things like that. So and trauma has been the theme <laughs> of these, you know, yeah. three movies. But then you also look at like something like, you know, uh, the, the Friday the 13th, where Jason goes to hell, where in that movie, for the most part, it's Jason's essence or heart or, or, or inner being again, invasion of the body snatchers going from one person to another. And Jason's yeah. barely in the movie or even Friday the 13th part five, where the whole time it's not even Jason, it's a paramedic that's killing people and people feeling ripped off that it wasn't Jason. And that's what I think is happening with this movie, right? Like, and, and I think you could take that supernatural route. And I think to your point, Eric, earlier when you were talking about if these four Halloween movies are the only ones that you've seen, John Carpenter's original and the three David Gordon Green ones. There wasn't a supernatural element in any of those, right? And well, there was there was see, there was a hint of well, it because with because Michael with, being with, the shape and just being well, like unkillable almost. Yeah, and but. when Michael when Mike and always being called the boogeyman, but when Michael yeah. dies or gets shot by Donald Pleasance at the end of the first movie, he falls on the ground, and then yeah. when he disappears, his shape leaves an imprint on the grass and literally kills the grass that he's on yeah so so there's always a hint of it but i think you know to a normal viewer i don't necessarily think they perceive michael myers as a supernatural entity they just think he's like a you know an unstoppable killer so like i feel like maybe that in this is the thing that's so jarring to people or that jumping the shark moment because if they haven't seen halloween three or they haven't seen four five six where there are the druids and the other supernatural elements that they bring into the franchise that i feel like that can be jarring to the point where it could lose people um and then you end up getting very little michael in the movie for the majority of it which i think will also be a disappointment to people um but then you have Corey going on you know a a rampage killing all the people who wronged him like i mentioned and he ends up using this kind of uh, it's a clown mask as well isn't it well um, isn't it a scarecrow like scarecrow scarecrow thank you because he always is he's at the party and he's like yeah oh it's a scarecrow scarecrow. yeah which i get the timid scarecrow who becomes this confident killer right like, yeah and going yeah. back to that that scene that you mentioned with you know when he sees the mom again that reminded me also of jaws where chief brody interacts with the one mom whose child was eaten by the shark when the the, the beaches were still open yeah right where like you understand where the mom's coming from even though mm-hmm. you know having watched the opening of the film that it was a mistake that it was an accident but still even if it was an accident the mom's not gonna ever see it that way which is totally understandable but then i like that it kind of mimics the og halloween movie right he starts killing with this homemade mask kind of thing and and he starts just going after people who have you know wronged him in in his mind and then he he's basically then teams up with Michael <laughs> and then it, like you said, with the little shop of horrors thing, which is, I think um, funny. Um, he ends up kind of helping each other. He, Michael is almost like teaching him. And I, I, I made a joke about super My Mario. Young Apprentice. And, yeah. Or star Wars or anything. And then it, there is that element of Christine as well, where he starts to get confidence because he's killing and he feels like he's in control of something and taking back his life and these people who are rude to him. So he ends up, uh, you know, being a little bit more confident. He starts dating, um, Lori's, um, granddaughter, which I keep forgetting her name, the character's name, uh, Allison. Um, he starts dating Allison and then Lori even has this kind of supernatural ability. where She's like senses Michael's like aura in him, but she keeps saying she's essence of Michael eyes. on Corey. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's like a cologne that kind of, yeah. because at first, cause Lori is the one that sees, you know, a, 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 a common, a fellow survivor yeah. in Corey. Right. And in she's trauma, the one right? that, that kind that, yeah. yeah. And she's the one that kind of, you know, is trying to set up a meet cute with, uh, Allison and and Corey, and then once you know Corey has gone through a bit of that transformation and and being exposed to uh, Michael, uh, Lori becomes almost like sort of like a um, a nuclear waste like detector kind of thing where it's like wait a second you're different from the last time yeah, I saw you yeah. and like I sense and she's I sense something I sense you. Yeah. essence of evil on you um and and like that's something where it's like I, I can also understand that being a little bit frustrating because again like the 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 Halloween series for the most part except when you get into maybe six and seven 
you know, like they do kind of iterate that there is a supernatural element to Michael Myers, even though it's always been there. But I think yeah. you need to be literal with the audience when it comes to like establishing whether or not the killer is in fact possessed or a demon or something else. And, and like, even with, again, going to Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th decided to make that move in part six, where Michael Myers is literally resurrected out of his grave. You know, Dr. Frank, you you said Friday the 13th. No, no, no. I'm talking about Friday the 13th. Yeah. Jason lives. So in, in Jason lives Friday the 13th, part six, the opening sequence is Jason in his grave being electrocuted by a rod that's stuck in him and coming back. And that's when the franchise established that now he is the undead before it was still just Jason being, it was just Jason. Like it was, he was still living. But then it was like, okay, well, now he's been dead because he was killed in the fourth movie. And then the sixth film picks up with, you know, the the, the main character um, of that, you know, who's played by Corey Feldman in the in, in that movie. And then Tom Matthews in part six comes in and then, you know, tries to like destroy the grave, but then accidentally resurrects him. And then with that, it's like, okay, well, it's telling the audience, okay, from now on, Jason now is the walking dead. Mm-hmm. You know, and where he this is, is always kind force. of alluded to it, but never until yes. In this, again, here I think it can be. It, I don't know. I I love that it's kind of a talking point, right? Of going, is he possessed? Is he just you know? Is that a shamrock uh, mask? A silver yeah. shamrock. Mask. Well, that's what I mean. And even him going back and and trying to get Michael's mask, like he needs that. Like he's not strong enough unless he has Michael's actual mask. I think is kind of interesting as well. And then it ends up turning him against Michael because Michael was on his side at that point until. Um, he took his damn mask and then Michael comes back to get it. So, you know, I think that's the most interesting part of the movie. And I think it drives Corey to do, you know, all these horrible things. And it, like you said, it, it makes a murderer out of him. This town makes him a murderer and, and he gets revenge on this town for how they've treated him over the last uh, four years. And um, and then you have the whole Lori Michael thing, which, like I alluded to earlier, feels like a little tacked on to the very end of the movie because it feels like it wants to do this other thing. But then. Knows it has it an has obligation kinda, that it yeah. has to go back to like, oh, we got to wrap this up. Yeah, we evil does need to die tonight. So it's just I, I mean, I like the last sequence with Laurie and Michael like it, it's, you know, it, it's fine. Like it, it but I think it was done better in Halloween, the 2018 one, like that whole sequence with them in, in the house in that movie, I think, plays on those tropes and things that we saw in the first movie so well that this just feels little bit more of the same of Lori just getting one up on Michael and then finally going, it's that thing of like, unless you see them die on screen, um, uh, he's going to come back. So why not just throw him in that car crusher and fucking crush his body, which I knew it was going to come back to that. Um, on top of that, I don't know where you want to go if there's more Eric, but like some of the kills I thought were interesting too. Like I love the kill, which is darkly comedic of the um, radio host with his fucking. Oh, Willie tongue. the kid, which um, is also uh, somebody mentioned it online, but it's um, when you see his face and it's it's a practical effect. Yeah, it's a reference to Larry Cohen's The Stuff, where one of the characters' faces opens up and then it was really gross Uh, like again nevis and i have very different reactions to violence she had to close her eyes multiple times and i had to tell her when things were over me i'm laughing my ass off every time (laughs) there's something really gory i'm like that's fucked up that is so gross um and the movie over and over again gives you like that's the thing with these david gordon green ones uh and i guess the rob zombie ones were very violent too but like um they are very violent um and the kills in this um are not necessarily creative per se but like they're brutal they are they are brutal and yeah. um like i think they, the one bully who's kind of the least of the bullies who's kind of like you know what we shouldn't be doing this gets the most brutal death <laughs> yeah. like literally like climbing over the fence and you think that she's out and then you know, the, 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 the tow car. truck comes over, <laughs> runs her over traps. Another Prometheus she's... situation where why are you running left or right? <laughs> right. Like, but, but in but, the moment, I mean, like oh, you're not no, thinking that way. Right? I know I'm teasing, but like, it's but also that is, that is fair because horror logic is a different kind of logic altogether. Totally. But then she's everyone under, stupid, but... under the fence and she's still alive. And you're just yeah. like, Jesus. And then she watches 
her friend be torched, torched. Yeah. and then her face gets crushed. And it's like, yeah. like the character who is like the least. Yeah. Nevis mentioned that being like, oh, she didn't really do anything wrong. I'm like, no, Michael doesn't get, or not Michael Corey in this situation. Right. Or no, Michael kills her. But it, but it almost right? is like, a, it's almost like, well, maybe you are the worst of them because you were the one that still has a conscience and you didn't do yeah. anything. So That's maybe true. You have You're to pay. Yeah. Yeah. You have to pay, you know, for you know your totally. complacency you can't just say hey we shouldn't be doing this you should do more um i love the t- the team up situation with the doctor and and the shitty doctor sleeping with the the, the nurse annoying nurse yeah, yeah. like um I well that, that death sequence is, sequence is is fun as well and like the promotion like in the and but i think we should talk about i, I think something that maybe is a little bit underdeveloped even though i like the idea of it yeah but it doesn't work and you already kind of mentioned it was that any Medichek's character, Allison, yeah. dating Corey, yeah. the whole time I was watching it, I was like, what do you see in this guy? Like, I right. don't, I don't understand it. Cause it goes than, so quickly, right? Like two days later and they're already going eh, like, but she's so, interested in, in him, like right. Like yeah. as she meets him in, you know, the emergency room and he's getting stitches and, and also the infection kind of being a metaphor for yeah. Michael Myers Infecting and him. him team. Yeah. yeah. But there's something about it was like I I never bought into the relationship no. per se, even though I didn't mind and... the idea. And you could say like, oh, well, you know, people who have suffered trauma might, you know, bond closer and quicker together and things like that. But I never felt the chemistry between um, Andy Medichek and A lot and, of cheesy uh, motorcycle sequences. <laughs> yeah. And, and I do I think that that the performance by Rohan Campbell isn't necessarily the greatest. He weirdly reminds me of a combination of Andrew Robinson and Caleb Landry Jones kind of smushed together. Okay. And when he yells, look up Andrew Robinson right now from uh, Hellraiser and, and Dirty Harry. He looks like a younger version of him um, from, from, from those movies. Um, but then he also, sh- when he shouts, he sounds like Jake Gyllenhaal, which I thought was kind of interesting. You're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Uh, yeah. He does. Doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, um, yeah. But, but yeah, I felt his performance was a little, Weak, like I think. It, I think if it was a better actor in the role, I think people yeah. would have also been more on I board. I don't disagree yeah. with it, but again, I like the concept of the character more than the performance. And the same thing with the relationship, where I do feel like a, a criticism and a valid criticism is that you know Allison doesn't feel like the same Allison in the previous two movies, and her relationship kind of feels. Not the only most rushed, <laughs> keep going, sorry. But not only rush, but just kind of like it. It doesn't. It doesn't earn no the 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 pathos of of that third act. You yeah, know? and her reaction to him, you know, dying and shit is the most reaction. I'm like, your dad died, your mom died. Yeah. Like when your dad dies, what well, in Toby the first Huss, movie, man. Toby Huss dies. You didn't give a flying fuck. <laughs> like it felt like you didn't care at all. But this guy you've known for three days, who um your grandma ends up killing, you should probably see where your grandma's coming from in all of this right. and understand that. Um, so anyways, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think all the love stuff is kind of cheesy and, um, you know, uh, I think intentionally so at sometimes, um, oh, some with, of it's like, very earnest um, yeah. with the music and, and the lighting and, and some of the lines that she'll deliver to him and stuff like that. Like, um, it is corny and, and campy at times and the whole movie kind of has that vibe and, and I can definitely understand again, why, you you'd spend so much time with yeah Allison and and her this falling in love with this this guy and you're like what the fuck is this movie like where's Michael Myers why isn't he stabbing people like I can definitely <laughs> understand people thinking that and I don't know if that's a mismarketing thing or 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 what but you really only get Michael at the very end of the movie for like twenty minutes right and that one sequence before at the doctor's um house like all the stuff in the sewer he's just kind of there it's he's yeah really he's audrey two or pennywise yeah. at that point and you just see him kind of like briefly but but again like i feel that if if this halloween trilogy was actually a a, a series mm-hmm. and this was a one-off episode and a lot of the stuff that was covered in the movie was condensed into say an hour or a half an hour of tv mm-hmm. people would also be more forgiving because yeah. you don't always have to spend every waking moment with 
you know, your main character. You can kind of go off with a side character and develop, you know, supporting people that might be only in one episode or something like that. Where with this, again, you know, the expectations have been leading up to this is the final showdown between Laurie and Michael. And then when you get to this movie, you're thinking, well, that's going to be the whole film or like, and it's not, you know, and it doesn't have to be. Yeah. I wonder if people would have been, you know, I'm uh, backseat, you know, writing now, but like if Halloween kills, you would have kind of wrapped everything up, you know, more than leaving it open-ended, like in the sense where maybe you think they killed Michael. Um, and it's not like you ended with him killing, um, uh, oh my God, what's her name? Um, Judy Greer, Judy Greer. Um, and you know Michael's out there where I feel like if you maybe would have wrapped it up and Lori thought that Michael was gone again or, or done and then you marketed this movie as a very straightforward maybe you think it's a copycat or something like that but then it's more so revealed that Michael's living in this sewer and that he is still alive and, and something like that. Maybe people would have uh, – I don't know. I, I get why you need to say Michael – is the is the reason people go see these movies for the most part and want to see him brutally murder people but like i just wonder if there might have been a better way or i wonder if they pivoted based on you know the reaction of halloween kills i know it was mixed and i'll take this over kills any day because kills i felt very straightforward very you know again either a prologue or an epilogue either a prologue to this movie or an epilogue to the 2018 halloween that just felt kind of pointless and like now looking back feels like a little bit because that all that evil dies tonight like the Haddonfield kind of going nuts about this like works better when you see how the effect that it had on this young man and what it turned him into but um I just wonder if maybe the reaction would have been better if you were a little bit more straight with what this movie is right right or if this was the second film i think if this was the second film maybe people would have also been more forgiving because it's like okay well you know it didn't have a lot of michael myers in this one but there is a third one to anticipate where it's like this is the end of this trilogy which is what what laurie was barely in kills right and yeah i mean she's not in 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 this even 2018 that much i mean like like i i I like a presence throughout all three of them yeah i like halloween 2018 more than halloween end but I think I Halloween ends is more ambitious and, and a little bit more creative with what yeah. it's trying to do and what it's trying to say. And I think in the process, it is also being literally, you know, stabbed to death by the fans because it is taking such a drastic shift in its approach that it's like, okay, well, we came for this and now we're getting something that whatever is more, the hell this is <laughs> yeah and and it's like okay well you know like it's better than maybe like having like at the end of the movie revealing that it wasn't michael myers the whole time and it was a you know a crazed paramedic like in friday the 13th part five but um yeah there I, like i i get the animosity towards it but i also think that if you look at it for what it is you can look at it and say like oh this is actually doing something really interesting within the slasher flick canon and like it actually is better than i would say 99 percent of slasher movies in general you know from the 70s and 80s like it actually has something to say it still is brutal it still maintains the kind of visceral quality of of what you've come to expect from a lot of these movies but it is doing and saying something really i think profound in in a lot of ways it's it's obvious but it is still it works for this movie and it works for what's been going on in the u.s in the last little while especially again with mob mentality and with you know like the idea of uh, bringing up making a murderer like the idea of, of small towns picking their villains and whether or not somebody actually is one and and you know making them an outsider and i think that there's something there to say whether or not it was meant to be in a Halloween movie. That's another thing. And and I think, you know, you mentioned, I think that, that's cool to use like an iconic character like that for that. Kind it's a of Trojan story. horse, right? Yeah. Like that's kind of what this movie is. Like Michael Myers is the Trojan horse, but then when you go inside it or when it opens <laughs> yeah. up, it's Corey inside, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know? And, and, and with that, it's like, it's going to, people don't want to, Luigi. They want Mario. So. Yeah. Or they want <laughs> Wario, you know, they, they want one of the two, but, but when you're watching this, it's kind of like, Oh, well, 
you know, this still is paying homage to the franchise. Like even having kind of the old, you know, homeless man, you know, th- like that is a reference both to, you know, the original Frankenstein and even, you know, Halloween five, where a drifter kind of saves Michael Myers and brings him into his little kind of ramshack cabin and, and sort of takes care of him before Myers kills him. So like, it's still very much paying tribute to even the bad movies within that series, but at least it is also trying to do something unique and original. And I think that's even why they have the same font type or text for as a season of the witch because it's kind of like okay well we we know that this movie is not what you are expecting and we probably also realize that it's going to be maligned like season of the witch you know if this was called like you know Corey kills for the first time or something like that or or like was an indie horror movie i think it would have gotten more acclaim but because it is within this built-in franchise and being the third in Gordon Green's trilogy, there are expectations to play. But I even liked the 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 shopping mart romance between Will Patton and Jamie Lee Curtis, oh, which yeah, reminded me great. a lot of David Gordon Green, where like that scene in Manglehorn where Pacino is talking to Holly Hunter's character in the bank. And then that one guy starts to break out into songs, singing to um, his partner. That's also a bank teller. And like this beautiful moment where it's like, this guy is like giving this soulful, you know, rendition. And then everybody starts clapping and it's like, wow, that guy's really good, you know? And, and then it kind of moves on and never talks about it again, where you have Laurie and, and uh, uh, Will Pat Frank's Will Patton and, and, and Laurie kind of having this, like talking about, you know, picking up the pieces and moving on. Cherry blossoms. Yeah. And Frank learning, you know, Japanese and kind of, you know, like the, um, the, the employee there that's at the, uh, that's at the front kind of looking at them being like, you guys are like a bunch of teenagers, you know, like, like that stuff I think is actually kind of, there's, there, there is more personality in, in those moments than, you know, what a, a traditional Halloween Friday, the 13th nightmare on Elm street, you know, any, C D F level horror slasher, slasher movie yeah. would give you. And, and again, I think that those moments actually make this movie um, just, just a little bit more conscientious, you know? I agree, man. I think it's definitely, I, I hope it's a movie that I'm sure we'll get another Halloween. movie. Oh yeah. Like, Evil um, never dies. It will yeah. never die. It, <laughs> um, I would love for them to go that anthology route. Like again, I've always wanted them to do that. Like call it Halloween, have, you know, have it take place in the same universe or have it all like Haddonfield is fucking cursed and, and shit always happens to them or something. I don't know. But like, um, I would love like this does very much. I agree with you. Uh, feel like a an an intentional kind of thing like Halloween three, where it feels like an anthology movie that still has Michael in it. Um, and whether they continue, Michael's that, like the horror like, host of, of yeah, the thing. That, him really, and Lori, you know, yeah. So I don't know. I I hope they do continue them and just use the name and 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 use it in interesting ways. I would love like a uh, something to even i wanted an even more direct nod to halloween three right like if you were gonna go but i i i like that like Corey puts on the mask and he sees the silver shamrock yeah, logo, logo in there. inside or something yeah like something like that would have been great but i mean i'll just take a font because that's like a right. little tip well you also thing, you also like have a, the guest right which has the scene oh, where the guest. you know where you see guest. those three masks in the maze sequence at the mm-hmm. end of the movie right so yeah, Other guess- filmmakers have been influenced by Halloween three, and it now is considered to be kind of this like, you know, reappraised classic, so to speak, for what it is, because people now are more accepting for it not being a Halloween movie. And I think very much like this movie, people went into Halloween three and they go, where the fuck is Michael Myers? Like, yeah. and they go, why Mikey, did we do this? Mikey. So I feel like this has the same reaction and, you know, maybe it won't be, but like I, I hope people revisit this in thirty years and go. You know what? Halloween Ends did something interesting. And then like, they'll come back not... to this and be like, "These guys, you know, they were ahead of their time. They were pioneers." <laughs> um, thank you all for listening or watching. Uh, we really, really do appreciate it. Uh, you can check out uh, all of our other, uh, you know, reviews and podcasts over on UntitledMoviePodcast.com on or on YouTube or on podcast services. Uh, we have a lot more uh, that you guys can check out. We have a very fun 
um, Tar Wars review, which is Eric and I battling over who uh, has the better opinion on Tar. Um, we also have a review for Rosaline, Rosaline, uh, Amsterdam, Werewolf by Night. If you want some more Halloween content, uh, spooky season. Don't, don't worry, darling. And then we have all of our TIFF content, which you guys can still go back and check out, like how to blow up a pipeline. Uh, the greatest beer run ever. Women talking. Pearl. The uh, Fableman's uh, Glass the- Onion. Uh, the Whale. Uh, all your favorites are there, and we still have plenty of more, more that yeah. will be trickling out. The good, probably closer to the re- release dates and things like that. But we'll we'll figure all that out. Um, and then also, uh, you can check out uh, the Untitled Movie Podcast, which is our other show where um, Eric and I just chat about what's going on in. Uh, the entertainment industry. Our last couple episodes, we talked about the Super Mario Brothers trailer. Um, we talked about it here. Um, yeah, <laughs> I of. somehow brought that up. Uh, the Last of Us, uh, talking about, I mean, John Carpenter just talked about The Last of Us, um, how he got stuck in The Last of Us Part Two, and that he was surprised <laughs> that they were making it into a TV show. Um, I love that, man. Uh, and then on, on the latest episode, we talked about uh, uh, our experience at the Black Adam Rocks Canada event, as well as you. By the time you're listening to this, um, our Black Adam spoiler-free review uh, should be out. The embargo is at 5.30 p.m. on uh, Tuesday, October... What 18th? The 18th, the today. <laughs> I don't know what date yeah. it is. So uh, check that out when that's up as well. One-stop shop for everything. Head over to uh, Untitled underscore Movies over on Letterboxd. And follow me on all those social medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Marchin. You can find more of my video reviews, including uh, a sort of uh, truncated version of the Untitled Movie Podcast show where Matt and I do a TIFF wrap up episode and talk about the movies that we really uh, enjoyed. Also, because it is spooky season, we should also mention that Matt did an interview with uh, Zach Kreger, the director of Barbarian, um, which that's over on the other channel. Yes, which is also a movie that I feel... um, we'll be getting more people seeing it because of it being October. And it's a really good interview. I mean, it's only about five or six minutes, but Matt asked some really uh, good questions and, and, and Zach gives uh, some solid answers. And it's one of those movies where it's like, it kind of surprises you a little bit. So um, definitely check that out as well. And uh, on the social medias, uh, you can find me at EM six, two, one, one until next time. Evil Evil dies dies tonight. tonight. (laughs) Corey forever.